0: First episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News, and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tow Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student. And if you don't know me i have a long history covering and researching the far right specifically a hate group known as the proud boys and i am going to plug something for everybody right now and that thing that i'm going to plug is a book written by my good friend andy campbell who's a reporter over at huff poe the book is called we are the proud boys how a right-wing street gang ushered in a new era of American extremism. You can look for it. The copy, the the cover is the Proud Boys color. So it's yellow and black and has Proud Boys like lifting up a tiny little dinky flag. Um, Andy Campbell, I have called him the little brother that uh, is not actually my little brother. Um, It's a long story. I don't want to waste too much time because we've got a lot to cover this week. But I basically, there is a point in my... Work against the Proud Boys, where I had, not gonna kid you, NYPD anti terrorism task force officers in my tiny little apartment. It's a long story, but they misunderstood a tip I was trying to send to the governor. I called them, I told them, what you have is harmless, don't freak out about it. I, I spoke to an officer for about a half an hour. I thought everything was fine. And then I get a knock on my door that night and I, these men just come into my apartment. I let them in. I uh, probably shouldn't have, but I let them in and talked to them at length and explained, you know, like, I'm a nerd. I have cats. I'm just a dorky researcher. You have nothing to fear from me. And um, we had a little discussion. And then the very next night, uh, New York Daily News, because the cops came to my apartment, figured out who I was. I was an anonymous source at that point. And tried to force me to do a story and i basically had a meltdown like a complete meltdown freaking out because at that time i would be i would have been at great jeopardy had the new york daily news run that story um i don't think i would have gained anything from it except for i probably would have been harassed within an inch of my life i would have been threatened um one, one of the people who are is associated with the proud boys knew my address I knew exactly where I lived, um, and the Proud Boys have been known to make house calls. They harassed my friend Vic Berger, so they showed up at his home. So uh, yeah, I have no regrets about having that meltdown and basically begging New York Daily News off, and they they did back down um, because I was anonymous and I was actually in fear for my safety. And the whole reason why I tell this story is because during this entire episode, I was working with a number of journalists and Vic Berger, the satirist, um, who's absolutely brilliant, by the way. And at the time, the person who kept checking in on me, like several times a day, was Andy Campbell. And that meant so much to me, because he was seriously worried about me. And I was worried about me. (laughs) It was a dark time to be me. (laughs) Because also at the time, just to add to the story, I hadn't told pretty much anyone but like my sister and maybe a couple other people what I was doing. Uh, Nobody knew what I was doing. It was this big secret. I called it my alt-right project. And so I couldn't talk about this with anyone. And I was absolutely terrified. I was like, what the hell did I get myself into? So anyway, Andy Campbell is basically my relative, whether he likes it or not. Um, And he had a book signing and I went to it and it was great. And I got to meet some of the other weirdos who cover... The far right and we are all weirdos i found out no, nobody who covers this beat is like a normal person <laughs> so anyway ha. <laughs> last week was a weird one because it was kind of scattered and not very focused for fox news so this was a harder one to work on but i have a really exciting graph oh my goodness i was so excited about this graph in the newsletter that i will discuss as we get to it Please check out the newsletter because the graph is very visual. I can't explain it on audio. But here we go. Here's the headline. Fox News. What hurricane? We've got migrants, ESG, and dark Brandon to worry about. A condensed overview of 15 hours of Fox News for the week ending September 25th, 2022. A Fox News fan last week might think that ESG was a dastardly plot to transform the U.S. into a socialist nightmare. They also might think Florida is being overrun with Cuban criminals and that the Biden, that Biden was barely functioning, yet a mastermind hell-bent to destroy the American way of life. A fan of the right-wing network would most likely have no idea how Hurricane Fiona caused excessive damage and suffering on Puerto Rico or that women in Iran— Are burning headscarves in massive protests a fox viewer would probably have missed the story about how republicans in the senate blocked a bill that would have revealed the identity of dark money donors as usual anyone who consumed a lot of fox of news from fox would have missed out on major stories and been left misinformed and manipulated last week fox was a bit scattered as most of their segments were simply based on tearing down president biden Fox News anchors take delight in criticizing the sitting president, so this is nothing new. But the network wasn't as focused as it normally is. Hannity had an interview with Donald J. Trump on Wednesday and Thursday night. Now, I did a separate newsletter, not a podcast, because I didn't think it was kind of worth a podcast, because it was only an hour-long interview, and I think it's been kind of reported to death all over uh, the Internet. However, I did want to have one place where I had all of my edits, because I was very proud of my edits, I reduced day one down to two minutes, 20 seconds, day two down to two minutes. So I took the entire half hour uh, portion and just sliced it down to a concise little clip. And then I did what I call the sniff edit, which if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. It's every time um, Donald J. Trump went in his interview, which was alarmingly a lot. So anyway, a new thing that I think I should do every week that I haven't been doing, and I apologize for that, is I'm gonna do a quick review. The shows I covered last week were Fox and Friends, The Five, The Ingram Angle, and yes, I got those two hours on Hannity. Um, So the first basic story for this uh, newsletter was Hurricane Fiona, Fox versus PBS. Now, Fox did report on this, but barely. They would do short 30-second, one-minute segments and then bleed it right into their weather segment, which was kind of disappointing. Um, Monday was really bad because all of Monday was dedicated to the queen's funeral. I couldn't get Fox and friends. I tried to get outnumbered. Outnumbered was basically all queen, queen, queen. Oh my God, the queen. Now, meanwhile, the entire island of Puerto Rico was without power and being absolutely hammered with this vicious storm. And it wasn't so much the violence of the storm, the winds weren't the problem, it was the rain with Fiona. They were just deluged with an excessive amount of rain. And then on top of it, it got blazingly hot after it stopped raining. And these are people who have no power, no uh, drinking water. A lot of their homes were destroyed and How do I know all this happened uh, about Puerto Rico? Because I watched PBS. You would never know it if you watched Fox. PBS did several segments on the hurricane throughout the week. They were very comprehensive. And Fox basically just showed the scary storm and then went into the weather. Where they're like, ooh, look at the storm. Look at the path of the storm. And then they just talked about the weather. And I just thought, what a shame. Fox Awesome didn't even mention the hurricane until Tuesday when the hurricane actually hit and was a problem on Monday because, you know, the queen is just so important. And I will just briefly say that as somebody uh, who gets all of my news on streaming, I get it on like a streaming uh, network that's basically cable. It's the same thing legally as cable, but it's just streaming. When I was capturing footage from Fox on Monday, I can see other channels and it was depressing to me that everything was the queen. And I understand that people would, would care about the queen's funeral and that it's very important. But our country was slammed by a hurricane. And I thought it was really inappropriate that no one would cut in to tell us what was going on to people in our country because I'm not British. And it just, it it felt like white supremacy. And I hate to say that, but it really did. It was like, I get it. And I understand if you revere the queen and you love the queen and you love the British and it's very important to you. You had plenty of options to watch that. Pretty much all of the options to watch that. And I just thought it was, very unfair that anybody who wanted news about Puerto Rico really had to hunt for it. That just, it just felt, it was very off-putting for me. Very, very off-putting for me. PBS, by the way, handled it beautifully where they started very on, now their program is at night and her funeral was in the morning. Um, But they did this great segment where they just showed the queen's funeral and they said, "Uh, Queen Elizabeth II had her funeral this morning, but we're going to talk about that later. And so they showed it briefly and they go, we're going to go talk about uh, Hurricane Fiona. And I I got emotional because I was like, finally, finally, somebody actually cares about people getting harmed right now. Um, because if you want to see the funeral, there's plenty of places you can see the funeral. I was very disappointed in the media in general over that. I just, I just felt it was incredibly inappropriate. So the coverage of the Fiona by percentage, PBS had 11% of its coverage dedicated to it and Fox News had 1%. Now, the first clip of the week, which blew up, blew up today. Um, This was kind of a B-roll clip for me. Uh, What I do throughout the week is sometimes I find a clip and I know it's going to take a lot more work to make it into something. So I kind of put it off. As some clips instantly go on Twitter and some, you know, they take me a minute. Now, the Trump uh, interview got me very, very behind schedule this week. So I was just scrambling. And so I made this today and I'm just going to play it. And it's more than just Greg Gutfeld. I included a couple other news segments into this. This is about Trump's infamous comment about very fine people on both sides in Charlottesville. Then I also included um, some clips from Charlottesville Um, that sort of explain why he's so incorrect. Here we go.
1: And you have to remember that the media uh, uh, accuses Trump of inciting everything from an insurrection to future violence after the 2024 election, Uh, (laughs) even though, and they they also edit out the part on January 6th where he said, go peacefully, you know, march peacefully, whatever. And think about Charlottesville. Let's go back to that. They claim Trump incited that even though he had no idea it was there. Then they pushed a hoax that he was referring to Nazis as fine people. That hoax was so convincing Joe Biden still repeats it to this day and claims it's his reason for running mm-hmm. something that never happened. It never happened. The fine people hoax never happened. It was he was talking about the people on both sides of the statue controversy. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name.
0: On Friday night, hundreds of white nationalists storming the University of Virginia, protesting plans to remove a statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee. The overnight violence spilling into this morning when march goers and counter protesters clash again. Hours before the Unite to Right march was even set to begin. Now, of course, that's not the entire statement that Trump gave. It's much longer than that. And he did backpedal a bit, but only after the press really pushed him on it. And they're like, what are you talking about? What do you mean by that? And then they blatantly say, do you mean the white nationalist? He's like, oh, no, no. The problem with that, though, is if you listen to this statement, you really break it down. He says, I saw the same image as you did. Here's the thing. Trump acts as if it was normal protesters who just lived in the area who maybe had strong feelings about this Robert E. Lee statue and that suddenly these white nationalists just showed up and they just you know the regular protesters were like hey white nationalists what's up and just said you know don't take down our statue and there was just like a smattering of Nazis. That's not at all what happened. The Unite the Right rally was planned months in advance. I knew about it months in advance because I was watching the Gavin McInnes show at the time and they were talking about it and they had also had a melee in Berkeley that was a complete fiasco and things were set on fire. It was a total nightmare. Um, so the Berkeley protest happened like in June, if I remember correctly. It may have been May. I don't remember off the top of my head, but there was a Berkeley protest that went horribly, horribly badly. And then... Uh, Unite the Right was this big thing, and the right wing viewed it as just like, we're going to get together, it's going to be like a conference of sorts, we're going to use this statue as the reason for us to get together, and we're going to take over the world. Like That's it. Everyone will see the light, and they will join us, and this will be our revolution. That's honestly what they thought was going to happen. Now, the other thing I want to point out is that we live in a time where we are all walking around with video cameras in our hands, Um, and just incredibly easy access to take images still and moving of things that are happening so if what trump said was true and there were just some ordinary everyday local protesters at at unite the right where are the images of those people where's the images of people with like their little kid and their red white and blue outfits standing there with like save our statue i'd love to see them they don't exist And, uh, Daily Beast did a great article about this. I have a hyperlink to that in the newsletter because it's true. It's like, I'm sorry, you can't, because again, the right-wingers say, oh, he never, he didn't mean that he didn't. I'm sick of, he didn't mean that that's what he said. It's recorded and it doesn't make sense based on what actually happened at the event. And my friend, Andy Campbell was there. He met his uh, now wife at that event. So. The next up is Fox News uh, remembered there was a war in Ukraine, which is kind of crazy because they've been ignoring it for weeks. Now, I this is kind of weird. I'm not going to read right off the newsletter, but one of the things that's interesting about this is Fox News has not been consistent about how they handled the, the war in Ukraine. When it started, they, Fox and Friends was gung-ho. They would have, you know... Call the Red Cross, donate, donate. type in Fox 2020 or whatever, and we'll know that you saw this ad on Fox. And then they would brag about how much money they had raised for Ukrainian refugees and for war victims. And this was like a big, big thing. And Fox and Friends was very, very rah, rah Ukraine. They had bumpers that would be like really dramatic footage of the war that would lead into every episode. They would interview people in Ukraine. It was this big, big deal. When the war started, they were actually featuring it far more than PBS. And then the tone changed a bit politically in the United States. And little by little, they became silent. Now, the only two other voices that I saw that were contrary to, like, Hannity was very hawkish against Russia, pro-Ukraine. But uh, Tucker Carlson was the main holdout where he was very spookily... Is that a word, spookily? I don't know. I'm t- a little tired right now. It is 2:30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'm finally recording the podcast. That's the kind of week it's been. Don't throw a Trump interview at me out of nowhere and then be like, you're gonna be on time. No, I'm not. Okay, so anyway, I'm making fun of myself here. Anyway, um, my brain's gone. It's gone. Oh, so Tucker Carlson was very like. A Putin apologist and he started calling Ukrainians Nazis and making fun of Zelensky and saying, you know, Ukraine was corrupt and this evil country that wasn't a democracy we shouldn't give them money. And like Ingram also is very like, I don't know, I don't really care. Who cares about Ukraine? Who cares about Ukraine? <laughs> Ukraine. I got to do my Ingram voice. Clenched, clenched jaw, clenched. She's very clenched when she speaks. It's very, nah. Like she's going to blow up. So, anyway, so they basically, those voices got louder. And instead of like turning on Ukraine, uh, Fox and Friends and Hannity just stopped talking about it which was interesting and the five just completely like didn't even happen and now i went through all of my charts and this was very labor intensive but i was very happy with how it came out so i went through all of my charts all the way back from when i started this project in mid-february to see what the percentage was for each network coverage of ukraine and this is a fascinating chart highly recommend it it's on the newsletter It is fascinating because you see for like weeks, pretty much from mid-May, Fox just stopped talking about it. They might mention a little bit, but they pretty much just stopped talking about it. We're consistently PBS discussed it. Maybe not a lot, but they discussed it. For some reason in June, both networks didn't talk about it at all, June 12th, that week, but I'm not sure what happened there. Um, But it may have been January 6th, actually but uh, very much Fox ignored it. So just that there's no clip here. It's just kind of interesting. Now, the next clips are about this thing called ESG. And I tried my best to explain this briefly because I didn't want it to turn into a whole rabbit hole about ESG, which I don't, I'm no expert on ESG. I don't pretend to be. Uh, It's environmental, social, and governance principles and criteria. It's an investment thing. It's basically ethical investing and companies get an ESG score based on criteria There is controversy. There are critics of this. Um, But it's certainly not mandatory. It's just something that if you wanted to look into a company before you invested, you could. Um, That's it. But of course, Fox was really trying to push this hard last week. Their segments were all terrible, all boring and awful, didn't explain it well at all. And I'm just going to include a couple clips from Ingram where they tried to explain it, and it was just like a hot mess. So here you go.
1: I'm talking about ESG investing, that arbitrary rating system that globalists are using to pressure companies to conform their progressive energy practices and other diversity practices. Now, this discussion would not be complete without BlackRock CEO and China stooge Larry Fink getting a tongue bath from Slick Willie.
0: So Ingram introduced this segment first by talking about the Clinton Global Initiative, which is I think, just an excuse to rip on the Clintons. I mean, that's why she included it. And they were they were discussing ESG, but like, who cares? It's not like they're the only people who discuss it. And um she started right after she said that joke about Slick Willie on camera, she's like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. A tongue bath. <laughs> like it was so brilliant. I was like, okay, whatever. Then uh, Ingram had on a guest who is David Sokol. He's a CEO of tenton Capital, and he took it to a darker place. You
1: know, this whole thing, Laura, is, is is part of the breakdown of the institutions that that make this country great. Uh, you know, this wokeism, um, uh, virtue signaling, ESG. I mean, you know, trying to trying to put. Uh, people on a board of directors just for diversity purposes rather than for qualification purposes.
0: Okay, we live in a country that is hyper capitalist and pretty much the entire global economy is hyper capitalist with the exception of a few countries. So I'm not really buying that. And the language he uses is kind of crazy. The breakdown of institutions that make this country great. They're trying to put people for diversity purposes, yada, yada. Okay. Okay. Part of the push behind making uh, corporate boards more diverse is simply that the world is diverse. And for decades, corporate boards have been white men, mostly old white men. And when your customers and clients are not all old white men, you might want more voices on your board. That's just kind of common sense. But, of course, they have to make everything into some huge scheme and evil and that sort of thing. Now, the ESG thing was definitely pushed by somebody higher up in Fox because they had segments about ESG on every single program I analyzed last week. And you could tell that nobody was into it. They were just like, oh, we have to talk about the evils of ESG. Yeah, those woke companies. And I'm just like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. This is They're just phoning it in. <laughs> Like, they'll get worked up about migrants, but they don't really, they don't care about ESG. Anyway, so here we go. Oh, and speaking of migrants, I have two clips for when I called When the Border Historia Becomes Too Much. And this first one just cracked me up. I out and out laughed, immediately edited it, immediately stuck it on Twitter, and it immediately went viral.
2: Cuba's been communist for a while, and when, Vlad, when Fidel Castro wanted to empty his prisons, he gave us their prisoners. And just because you're a communist doesn't, and doesn't mean we want your prisoners. And just because you're fleeing communism right. doesn't mean you get in here. Who knows what you've been doing?
0: Okay, that comment made me laugh out loud, because if you know anything about Cuban immigrants, they tend to be hardcore right-wing. So they're probably watching Fox. And I bet money, they got some complaints about that comment. <laughs> I bet that switchboard lit up and they got emails all over the place like, How dare you, Brian Kilmeade? How dare you, Brian Kilmeade? And the reason why Cubans tend to vote right wing is because they are, were fleeing communism. And I, this is a brief little story about myself. I did go to the Soviet Union with a student exchange program that was like actually musical theater based. I can't make that up. When I was in high school and I did experience communism firsthand for about six weeks, and I was not a fan of Soviet-style communism, it was an absolute nightmare. Just the lack of freedom, the lack of everything, the corruption. It was just depressing and sad. So I can kind of understand why a Cuban immigrant would come to this country and just be like, right wing, right wing, because they're terrified of the left. I get it. And they tend to mellow. I've known several Cubans in the New York area who Cuban immigrants or descendants of Cuban immigrants who vote independent or democrat so it's not automatically but it is a trend that's well known and I, apparently Brian Kilme did not get the memo this next clip is Charlie Hurt and Laura Ingram just saying horrible things about migrants.
2: You know those those 50 migrants landing in Martha's Vineyard. If they had been uh, carrying rakes and mop buckets, they would have been welcomed in open arms, as they often are. But because they came as humans looking for asylum, they could. These people couldn't have h- handle it. And uh, yeah,
1: well, I think maybe next time, if the migrants, you know, if the left wants the migrants to be welcomed. I saw this meme somewhere. I'm kind of misappropriating it, but they should show up with leaf blowers. Yes. remember that—that that was on the onion rakes, or something, or the Babylon beef. Yeah, a leaf blower. Yeah, then they'll be then they'll be welcome. They'll just yep. go to work, Victor.
0: So the first comment, Charlie Hurt, kind of gives himself up when he says, "If they came with rakes and mop mop buckets, they'd be welcomed, but when they come as human beings, okay, wait a second, Charlie Hurt, Charlie Hurt, you basically just said, I don't know if you realize this." That when they come with mock buckets and rakes, they're not human beings. It's not, you did not phrase that well at all. You actually just sort of gave us a hint of how you view them. And then Laura Ingram's like meme that she repeated was just absolutely horrible. And um, I don't know, like what are you doing? You're trying to make fun of Democrats by repeating a horrible joke. And then how she said, I don't know if it was Babylon Bee or The Onion. Like Babylon B is the you know right wing satire site, and the Onion is is I guess more left wing. So we know you probably got that from Babylon B. So okay, how funny? I don't know. I didn't find that funny at all. If you want to watch a bunch of horribly racist comments, like tune into Fox, especially about migrants. Um, just awful stuff. Absolutely awful stuff. And the other thing that they push a lot—it's difficult to describe is one of the, you know, tropes that's pushed over and over and over on Fox is basically, our border is wide open! And then in the same breath, they will say, people are so desperate to come into this country, they're paying smugglers! So, if our border was wide open, wouldn't they just walk across the border? They don't need a smuggler. So I'm not sure what story you're telling here. I am very confused by this. Just like, two weeks ago they had footage of somebody scaling the wall, like scaling the border wall. And then they would say stuff like, we need more wall. And I, okay, you saw they just went over the wall with a piece of rope. We need more wall. What we need is a bigger wall. They're just gonna buy more rope. Okay, I'm blowing out my audio there. I'm all animated. Anyway, so the next uh, clip before we run out of time is, oh, this one's dark, okay. This is, um, in Sweden, they just had a parliamentary election, and the party that won a bunch of seats was the Sweden Democrats. And this is bad because the Sweden Democrats originally had roots in Swedish fascism and white nationalism now the party since 2000 has tried to distance itself from its past and is trying to steer in another direction now this is a much longer segment that i did edit down because the segment itself was over four minutes and i just kind of wanted to get across what this man is saying is the problem with the migrants because he also mentions iranian uh, migrants as like they're not bad but these other migrants are bad sort of in the longer segment but just notice the criteria This man is named Charlie Weimers, and he's a member of the Swedish Democrats, a far-right political party in Sweden. He's actually part of the um, EU parliament.
1: You used to be a country that was fairly homogeneous, but welcoming of all people, and pretty united. Now, where is that?
2: Well, 40-year multiculturalism has ended Swedish exceptionalism, I can tell you that. And... uh, The journalist at New York Times might wonder why it happens that the Sweden Democrats are the biggest uh, among Swedish Iranians, for naming one example. Of course, the reason for that is that immigrants who come to Sweden and work hard and uh, who don't want Sweden to become more like the Middle East, they tend to vote for us. And um, you can see that in— In the uh, discussion on Islamism, we were the only ones raising that issue for many years. Now everyone else is starting to adopt our policies, but uh, we still have a way to go because the state is still funding these Islamist Muslim Brotherhood-linked organizations. We are the only ones addressing this. And the center-left, they keep on um, fighting for more migration to Sweden, even though 20% of the population today in Sweden is born outside the country. That's more than America had during the height of its immigration. And we just cannot cope. We need to restrict immigration so that we can solve these problems.
1: Yeah, Charlie, you have to put a halt on that, uh, that migration coming into Sweden. Otherwise, you're gonna lose Sweden forever. Swedes have stood up and they said, can't do it anymore.
0: So Ingram put him at the very end of her show in like a segment where she didn't really push it very hard. And I knew that he was from a political party that was at one time associated with white nationalism. So, of course, I had to pounce on this one. And I noticed it, interestingly enough, in that brief segment, which again, that is an edit of a larger segment. The things that he said were the problems were immigration, multiculturalism, and Islam. It's very specific. I think we know where he's going with this. Not that there might be any other socioeconomic or cultural problems that are causing the increase in crime in Sweden. Now, the one thing that they never talk about on Fox or in conservative media at all, sometimes they do, but they do it in a very twisted way of like trying to push for more white babies. Um, It's a very common thing in the far right, is they push a lot for, like, we need more white babies. The reason why they say this is that the birth rate in most of Europe is negative or incredibly low, meaning they're not producing enough uh, of the next generation. So you cannot have a society that's functioning, especially with uh, generous social safety nets, where you don't have enough workers for retirees. And so that is part of the reason why many of these European countries have adopted fairly liberal immigration policies because they figure, well, if we're not gonna be making enough babies in Germany, for instance, let's bring them in from Turkey. Let's bring them in from Syria. And part of the reason why immigration works better is um, if you try to increase your birth rate, for instance, which is very difficult, uh, it takes 20 years for a baby to grow up enough to be a worker, basically if you allow immigration you have people ready to work with families already who want to work who are like let's go so you'll in if you take in like let's say you know 5000 that would be very low actually but if you took in like 5000 migrants you immediately have potentially 5000 workers or at least 3000 workers with children and that's instant rather than having to wait for these these babies to grow up and become workers so that's this is something that's been well studied that's well understood but immigration in some ways is a solution to the low birth rate in europe like japan's having all kinds of problems because they don't allow a lot of immigration and they have incredibly low birth rate so time will tell what will happen in countries like japan so next up we have my favorite uh this is what i call comic relief for the week because i loathe the trump family I will not be objective about these people. Um, So this is the Trump kids and they kept calling them the Trump kids and it drove me batty. So I made a little animation on After Effects, which I was very happy to make because I haven't been able to work with that software since graduation. So uh, I'll just play it for you. I think it's funny.
1: Uh, She included the Trump kids, which even Bill Barr, no fan of Trump these days, called a gross overstep
2: was a day where your family was impacted directly. Your children, who I know all of them really well, and I've known them for a lot of years. Any time I went to interview you, before you ever thought about really running for president, you always introduced me. They're all nice. They're all great kids. All of them. They are great kids. And I've met.
0: Who are the Trump kids? Well, there's Donald Trump Jr. This youngster is only 44 years old. He's a father of five, and his job title is Executive Vice President of the Trump Organization. Then there's Ivanka Trump. She's a mere 40. She's also a mother of three, and her job title is Executive Vice President of the Trump Organization. At least it used to be. And then there's Eric Trump. He's age He's only 38. He's a father of two, and his job title is also Executive Vice President of the Trump Organization. Maybe, just spitballing here, that's why they're being investigated the whole executive vice president situation. So what's funny about that clip is I had a uh, Twitter user today who kind of complained about the humor. He didn't think I should use humor in my tweets. It'd be very serious. And I thought, well, that's fine. There's other accounts to follow. You can go follow them. Um, The reason why I just was, you know, very flippant about that is from week one, from the very first podcast, from the very first videos, The feedback that I've gotten from more of you is that you like the humor, you like the goofiness, you like the sarcasm. You like it when I do Judge Janine or um, I'm Steve Doocy or, uh, you know, uh, Laura Ingram. (laughs) So, you know, that's why I do them, because you guys have told me that you like it. But not everybody does, and that's fine. They can listen to somebody else's podcast. That's how I look at it. Um, It's all good. It's like I take feedback, but not from everybody and the guy didn't even use his real name so it's like whatever dude okay so we're going into the last little portion of the podcast so every week i compare 15 hours of fox news with five hours of pbs news for the same week i picked pbs because it's straight down the middle nonpartisan. the following list are stories that pbs covered that fox news did not now a couple of them have already been discussed which would be hurricane fiona and the war in ukraine next up would be world leaders address the general assembly at the united nations they mainly talked about ukraine along other issues uh the taliban freed an american hostage in a prisoner swap with the us anad sayad a man convicted of murder featured in the incredibly popular podcast serial was released from prison a typhoon hit japan and caused all kinds of damage Um, The Department of Justice announced a federal crime charges against 47 people for a role in a uh, fraud scheme that exploited federally funded child nutrition programs during COVID-19 to the amount of $250 million. Um, Prisoners will soon be eligible for Pell Grants to help them save for college, which is kind of exciting. The man who is the partial owner of the Phoenix Suns, which is the NBA Team And the WNBA Phoenix Mercury teams Sold his stake in the teams After he was disciplined for racist and misogynistic Comments, that man's name is Robert Server, Republicans in the Senate Blocked a bill that would require disclosure Of dark money donors, you'd think that You know, Fox would be on that But they don't care, at least 77 people died in a boat carrying Migrants fleeing Lebanon That sank off the coast of Syria And of course Fox didn't mention that Horrible tragedy Uh, The SAMI Awards, it's a service to American medals. It's a government worker type of award. The winner was named Gregory Robinson. He was the director of the Webb Telescope Program, which is fascinating, by the way. Um, The other one was Murray Wills, a baseball player who was known for stealing bases, uh, died at the age of 89. And I was surprised Fox didn't cover that. I might have missed it. They may have covered it on another program I didn't happen to analyze Fox loves to talk about baseball. They bring it up all the time. Um, But the story that really, they should have been covered. Okay, Oran. A young woman was arrested for not wearing her headscarf correctly. So she was disciplined and put in jail and she died in police custody at the age of 21. This started a chain of events which has caused women to go out into the streets and take their headscarves off and burn them in some cases, or just walk around without a headscarf in a country where you could be arrested and thrown in prison for doing this. This is happening all over the place. Men have joined them. There's protests happening everywhere. It's incredible, just the bravery of these people to do something like that, to stand up against this depression. Because I get it, if you want to wear a headscarf, wear a headscarf. But to force people to wear a headscarf is a totally different situation. And it's just an incredible story. And Fox is, didn't even happen. Didn't even, they mentioned it around a few times, but they were just talking about the nuclear deal. They did not mention this story. And I, they may have mentioned it on Brett Barr's show. I don't know, but not the shows I was watching. Like, this is like news. Just, are you kidding me? This is like the, ah, oh, this is like what people want to cover. This is what people want to talk about. I was totally impressed by this. I was blown away by the bravery of these women. Like, it's hard not to watch these clips and not cry. I'm like, I cannot believe what they're doing. I mean, women with just their hair out, just like, I don't even care, arrest me, I don't care, I don't, don't care, I don't care. That's bravery, that's courage, it's amazing. These are women who get beat up for doing this, who get arrested, who get thrown in prison. Just mind-blowing. Uh, absolutely stunning. I was blown away by it. So, yeah, Fox doesn't care. Fox doesn't care so the next uh section of the podcast are the graphs which are visual not audio so please go to the newsletter if you want to check them out including my word graph which people get a kick out of um i try to do that for everything i do this coming week um aoc got mentioned once only once so she's slipping they usually mention her no matter what um so this upcoming week i will only be covering tucker carlson tonight and hannity because we have another installment, it's supposed to be the last installment, I don't trust them, because they've done this to us before, for the January 6th committee hearing, which are always riveting to watch, but they take a ton of time on my part, because what I do is I go through them twice, I watch it live, and then I rewatch the whole thing, and I extract anything about Fox News, and it usually takes two times to go through it, because some of them are subtle, And then I compile that, and I also watch all of their coverage of how they cover the committee hearing. And then I compare that to how PBS covers the committee hearing. Um, And it's always radically different. Um, So that's, I love these hearings, but they do drive me crazy because they move them around at the last minute. And they add them at the last minute. And I'm like, yeah, I want to sleep. So um, I'll probably be doing a podcast on that this week. Thank you so much for listening. My podcast mascots of Odin and Thor, my cats, also send their love. Um, And if you want to help out the project, this is a shoestring budget project. You can become a Patreon at at Decoding Fox News. You just Google that. You could find it. I also have a tip thing at the top of my Twitter. Every donation goes back into the project. I actually haven't cashed it out yet because it's not enough to get um, a couple types of software. I want to get better video capture software and a uh, better audio software. Right now I'm doing this on very cheap stuff and it's challenging. Very challenging, especially the video capture software. It's driving me crazy. Till the next podcast. Thank
2: you all for coming to woman show. It's-